1: This episode is in partnership with Gloss Genius. Made for salons and spas, Gloss Genius is the only business management and payments platform that makes it easy to grow revenue and enhance the client experience, which we are all about here on The Treatment Room. From a beautiful online booking site to powerful marketing tools and low payment processing rates, Gloss Genius empowers you to run your full salon or spa in a stylish and smart way while feeling supported at every step. For 50% off for two months, go to glossgenius.com slash sign up and enter code TTRSPRING or check the show notes for details. Now let's get back to the show hello guys welcome back to the treatment room podcast i am your host tessa zolli here with my good friend and mentor michelle falon founder of concepts institute welcome back to the show michelle
0: thank you so much tess it's good
1: to good to be back here again Great to be here with you too. I know we've done many, many episodes. So we always love having you back. And I think I did tell oh, you, you that the number one episode I have on the podcast is your skincare ingredients episode.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> ingredients is, is such a big thing. Wow. That that's that's wonderful. I'm I'm so glad that that everyone's interested in, in learning about ingredients so yeah. that they could take care of, you know their clients skin better and have a better understanding of the different products. So that is excellent.
1: Yes, you are a wealth of knowledge, Michelle. And for anybody who hasn't listened to the previous episodes and who maybe doesn't know you yet, do you want to tell us a little bit about you and your
0: experience? Yes, absolutely. I would love to. So let's see. So I've been in this industry about 35 years. When I started as an esthetician in California, way back in the mid-1980s, there was no such thing as an esthetician license. We were all cosmeticians and then grandfathered in with the induction of the esthetician license in 1990. So I've been licensed a really long time. <laughs> Most of my clients go back, you know, with me back to the, to the 80s. Um, and I also teach, of course, um, you know, the founder and one of the um well the clinical aesthetics uh teacher at concepts institute of advanced aesthetics but i've taught you know on every level from state board through cedesco international uh, i teach all of the paramedical or i should say half of the paramedical uh, dr green dr bradley green our medical director teaches the other half and i teach all of the clinical aesthetics phase of our program at concepts institute i do a lot of writing for you know International trade journals like Skin Inc, Skin Deep, Dermoscope. Um, I've also contributed to a couple of books, the outstanding aesthetics books. My chapter was paramedical aesthetics in, in one of the uh, books, the first edition, and then uh, lymphatic drainage, manual facial lymphatic drainage in the second edition. And I do a lot of business consulting. I also have a degree in business, so I do a lot of business consulting for estheticians and nurses. Uh, who want to get into the aesthetics industry, the med- or you know medical aesthetics industry, and um, need either some quick tips or uh, you know thorough advice. Uh, either way, so yeah, I've I've been in this industry and kind of worn all hats for yeah. for a really long time. Yeah, and you as
1: you guys can probably tell, Michelle is so kind and humble and you know, very nurturing, but she, she is a powerhouse in this industry and so intelligent. I look up to her so much. Her books
0: oh, thank are you.
1: amazing. I have them on my Amazon storefront, but those were some of the first books I read when I was just getting into aesthetics. And I still refer back to them to this day. And your classes have just been so foundational in terms of my education and Uh, The question I, I get a lot is, what books do I recommend? What courses? And I'm always referring back to Michelle because she has truly taught me so, so much. And as we know, esthetician school is more of the basics. It's the foundation. But I'm so grateful I started taking some of Michelle's classes about midway through my esthetician experience. And I feel like that really kind of gave me that leg up. So I just, I can't say enough good things about Michelle.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. And, and you're doing wonderful things too. You're, you know, you're out there and you're, um, educating the estheticians as well as the public on all of these new techniques and, you know, skincare procedures and ingredients and all of these wonderful things that come into the industry. And, I hear from, you know, esthetician students and, and estheticians alike, um, you know, how grateful they are to have this podcast that they can Aww. refer back to and and, and they really yeah. look forward uh, to, um, you know, everything that you do.
1: That's so sweet. Thank you. That means so much to me. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for our relationship and for knowing you. And I just think it's amazing people can have access to your courses and um, it's just it's really a way to expand your knowledge. So we love Michelle. We we are so grateful for you. And today we're gonna have a conversation about rosacea, which was the most requested topic on Instagram. I asked you guys over there what you would like Michelle to speak on today, and everyone, for the most part, said rosacea. So. Michelle, would you mind telling us a little bit about this condition? It is a little bit mysterious, but what are some of the findings that we do know about rosacea?
0: Yes. And great topic. And it, it is so mysterious, you know, you know, we were just talking earlier, right, Tess, about rosacea and what we know today versus uh, about rosacea versus what we knew five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 or 20 years ago. and. We are learning a lot, but it's still so idiopathic, right? Meaning that the doctors, when they say idiopathic, it's just, it, it, they don't know a lot about it, the pathology. There's, there's a lot of, um, you know, hypothesis, <laughs> but still it is, uh, it is a little confusing. So rosacea, or they used to call it acne rosacea. Now they call it mostly rosacea is an inflammatory condition of the capillaries, you know, the vascular system, especially of the capillaries of the skin, the facial skin mostly. And as you all probably know, it's kind of that butterfly effect that you get on the skin where the skin is really pink in that particular, uh, those particular areas. It is where the capillary is actually inflamed. A lot of the doctors and scientists feel that it is, um, just like some of the other autoimmune, you know, diseases and disorders that it is probably an autoimmune disorder or an autoimmune condition, which if you're not familiar with autoimmune, it's where the immune system actually attacks itself, right? It doesn't recognize itself as self and turns on itself and that can cause inflammation. You know, when your white blood cells, when your immune system is fighting itself. So why that happens, and I've asked many dermatologists, many doctors, they really, they really don't know. They don't know what the cause is there. There is some um, speculation, you know, is it the demodex mite, which lives in and on the skin and eats dead skin cells. And we know we all have demodex mites though. So you know, that is just sort of one theory. Um, you know, is it, is it autoimmune? Probably people who have autoimmune disorders are more prone to it, whether it be skin lupus or thyroid or other conditions like that. Um, but it's definitely characterized by a lot of redness on the skin. A lot of heat, heat is the big thing. So if the skin is just a little red every now and again, maybe a little erythema, that's one thing. But if the skin is red and it's hot most of the time, even when you come kind of close to the facial area, you're feeling that heat even before you touch the face. Uh, You see the little dilated capillaries, you know, they just don't go away. Um, They're, you know, it's chronic. Uh, Sometimes it can even be coupled with pustules and sebaceous cysts, not always. That would be more of a, you know, a grade two, the the papular pustular rosacea instead of just the erythema type of rosacea but you know that that is sort of the way that rosacea looks so as far as the you know the cause there's there's a lot of um opinions Mm -hmm. and i know we were talking to tess and i'm sure you talked to your followers about you know we were discussing uh, rosacea yeah uh, and um you know, the the condition that that you have, the mild condition.
1: Yes, yes, so, and I've shared a little bit about this, but just imagine my surprise as somebody who has studied rosacea. I've always been very fascinated by it. I actually didn't learn much about it in school. It was when I started actually working with clients And, you know, seeing a lot of the signs and having clients tell me they'd been diagnosed with it. So I became very familiar with the treatment options and the condition. But imagine my surprise. Here I am, 31 years old. I was (laughs) recently diagnosed with rosacea myself. And this is something that's very common with rosacea sufferers. It can... And most commonly does occur later in life. It's very common amongst women. It tends to be more severe in the men who do get it, but it it often does happen later in life. Kids can have rosacea, but that's more rare. So like Michelle said, there are all these theories, nothing definitive, mm-hmm. but these theories about why rosacea can develop. Sun exposure is also another one. A lot of we right? will say that's a trigger. Yep. And it has to doctors do with
0: Doctors that... often, sorry, I was going oh, to say yeah. doc- doctors often feel that it is, you know, it's a topic. It mm-hmm. runs, it could potentially run in families, especially people or families who are prone to autoimmune disorders. and Like you say, you know, tests, it's, it's more predominantly in women, Fitzpatrick type one, two or three, but it could be in four or fives and six as well. Um, and usually becomes a little bit more severe in your twenties and thirties and kind of hits a ceiling in in the, in the Mm forties. There are treatments, but unfortunately right now there's really no, no cure. But um, as you know, you know, we can keep it under control, um, utilizing certain treatments, uh, doctors prescribe certain medications, uh, laser can help. I mean, laser is interesting. It's something that may help to diffuse it a little bit or get rid of it. So it looks like it's gone for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And then several years later, because it is inflammatory, right, in the inflammatory mediators, are still there in the skin, it can cause more redness again. So another cycle of laser several years after the first application.
1: Yes, and we're definitely going to get into a lot of the follower questions that were submitted over on my Instagram, but lasers were a popular thing that kept coming up. And so we did have some questions about lasers, Michelle, including, Can you get lasers with rosacea? Does IPL help with rosacea? Which lasers do you think are the most helpful and are there any that somebody should avoid?
0: Yeah, so yeah, that is a really good question. And it can be so confusing because there are different types of lasers in terms of what they're geared for, in terms of what they can do so let's start really quickly if we can uh test just with the different uh levels of rosacea right so we have erythma rosacea, which is a little bit of redness on the skin. It almost looks like it could just be cuparose, but a little bit more severe than just, you know, cuprose or telangiectasia. there's a lot of heat in the skin. I have a lot of clients who are diagnosed with that, uh, you know, level or stage of of rosacea. And then we have papular pustular rosacea, where the skin has everything that erythema uh, rosacea has, but now you're starting to see the papules and the pustules. And doctors feel that's because there's so much heat in the skin. There's just so much heat all the time in the skin. It can cause actually an inflammation of the hair follicle where you have actual breakouts, actual pustules and sebaceous cysts, which are just deeper pustules. And or you could have an inflammation of the sweat gland, almost like a prickly heat you know, a little itchy, a little, you know, those little, uh, bumps on the skin that tend to be a little more watery inside. Um, and that is a little bit harder to treat. I typically will refer the patient over to the doctor for medication at that point. And then we have, um, level three or, or stage or grade three, which is the fematose rosacea, you know, the really big kind of fleshy nose. Um, sometimes patients will have, this without having the, you know, a lot of redness. There'll always be some redness, but maybe not so many pustules or papules, but they'll have a big fleshy nose. I Mm -hmm. should say fleshy, not fleshy, fleshy and fleshy. Um, And the reason for that is because there's so much fluid, right? There's so much
1: Mm. blood in the
0: tissue and lymph in the tissue that it actually tends to stretch the tissue and the tissue becomes um, enlarged. And the skin becomes enlarged. So doctors can go in and use electrotherapy or sometimes lasers on that. And then, of course, there's ocular rosacea, where the white so, so much eyes. Fun. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it never, never fun. But, you know, these are things that we see as estheticians, just like with yeah. nurses and, and doctors. Of course, this is what we have to refer over to the physician. Mm-hmm. But so I just kind of wanted to give you an idea of the different, um, you know, grades of rosacea. Yeah. And then we were going to talk now more about uh, lasers. Right, okay. Tess? Sorry, I got off the
1: track. a no, little. No, there. no, no. That was smart. I think it's good to, <laughs> to specify there are different types and, and levels and different things to watch for, like that heat or if it's affecting your eyes or if
0: you notice that thickened skin exactly, exactly. And if it's, and, and it's so confusing, I have so many people yeah. come in and think, oh, I've got rosacea and it may just be a little cuprose, but if you're feeling that constant mm-hmm. heat coming from the skin, then, you know, potentially it is a uh, grade one or sometimes they call it stage one. So it's good to refer to the physician for a, a diagnose, for, you know, diagnosis for your patient.
1: And I, I'll but will just, I'll say for me, Michelle, I think mine, I've seen you for many facials and I think I've always just had that Couperose skin and it wasn't until recently it did develop into the official diagnosis of rosacea.
0: Right. So you started to feel more heat, maybe some discomfort, a little itching, Tessa? You did. Yeah.
1: For me, it was really intense burning and just so much heat and primarily you'll see rosacea in the T-zone, but Michelle, do you ever Mm -hmm. see it elsewhere? Do you ever see you know, it all
0: over? over? You know, I have in the really severe cases, um, a lot of patients who have um, femataos or rhino fema, hmm. um, you know, they have a lot of redness throughout the facial area, sometimes even in the jawline, the sentimental yeah. under the chin and even into the neck a little bit. Not That's what as, I had badly, but yes, mm-hmm. yes. But yeah. a lot of heat comes from the area. Um, And so you know that the capillaries are inflamed and you know that the white blood cells there are, you know, they're wreaking havoc on the capillaries. Um, And so we'll get into maybe later we could talk a little bit about diet and vitamins. Mm -hmm.
1: Sure, sure. That sounds great. Okay, so we digress a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, back to lasers. Um, These can be so helpful. I have seen my derm for a few laser treatments, she really prefers V beam for me. And I'm curious, how does that compare Mm -hmm. to the other lasers that you see doctors that you work with, like Dr. Green recommending?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so I do work with Dr. Green. He is our medical uh, director for our training facility, uh, but he uses the 532 nanometer. So I know there's so many different names of yeah. lasers, like there's so many different names of cars, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure the exact manufacturer that he uses or the company he uses, but the 532, if you were to slow down the laser, as far as, you know, in lasers, light therapy comes from um, its source, it's moving so quickly, so you can't really see the color. But if you were to slow it down, the color would be kind of green. That's why we also use green LED to help with rosacea. But um, this particular nanometer will resonate with the oxyhemoglobin in the capillary, and it will actually help to shrink the capillary. And then the body just go, you know, will go ahead and assimilate that. So if it shrinks down the capillary in those areas, not all of them, of course, but some of them, then the skin becomes a lot less red. I know Mm -hmm. you had, or someone had asked about IPL, which is sort of a broadband. So with IPL, you can put a filter in and you can get the 500 nanometer spectrum, or sometimes they'll use the nanometer, nanometers from 400 all the way up to about 600, which is, you know, the, the, if you were to slow again, the light down, you know, you would see blue, green, yellow, red. So it's not as targeted that way. It's kind of a hit or miss. So I know Dr. Green says that, you know, IPL is okay. And you may have a good reaction. You know, you may have some, um, lightening of the rosacea, but the 5, 532, I think it was 532 beam works really well. And it's super hyper focused on the capillaries and then shrinking the capillaries down. So the redness really does clear at least for a couple of years.
1: Yeah. And here's something I have observed too, Michelle. I'm curious if you agree, but I really think the technician or the person behind the laser is also something to really consider because you know, there are, there are are lots of different types of facilities. You can get a laser treatment from very shady
0: (laughs) uh, facilities to the best
1: dermatologist. So I think it can also really, really That can matter too. Depends
0: on the user. A Mm -hmm. lot of it depends on the user because you have these great machines. I have people come in all the time with these great machines of all sorts and say, it's just not working. Right. And then you find out, you're like, you know, what are you doing? How are you using it? What type of skin are you using it for? You know, what are your goals? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more than just having like this wonderful piece of equipment but you really have to know the physiology, anatomy of the skin and, you know, what the client's goals are and what this modality can do and how to use it correctly. So you're 100% right, Tess, on that.
1: Okay, good.
0: Sure.
1: Yeah. And similarly, I didn't, I didn't run this by you before, Michelle, but I'm just curious off the top of your head, do you have any opinion
0: on microneedling for those with rosacea? Good question, and we just had a microneedling class yesterday. Okay, uh, a Zoom-based class yesterday. Yes, so if the if the microneedling is very mild, and you're trying to treat something other than rosacea, so it, microneedling wouldn't be used specifically for rosacea. Um, would it make it better? Probably not. Could mm-hmm. it make it worse? Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah. Maybe not, but possibly. But let's just say you're treating like dermal atrophy, which is the craters in the skin post acne or, or, you know, lines or wrinkles or hyperpigmentation, which you can use microneedling for. Um, If the rosacea is not very severe, Mm -hmm. it probably won't have a negative reaction on the rosacea and it may help the other skin condition, but it generally is not for, you know, the treatment rosacea.
1: Right, right. And I think it can get tricky when you have a client who has both skin conditions. Maybe they have severe rosacea and they have acne scarring divots, pitted pitted scars, which mm-hmm. I I have definitely seen.
0: exactly and that gets so tricky because if you you know depending upon what the client's goal is and of course if they have rosacea first and foremost you kind of have to keep that in mind and say okay you know we're treating anti-aging or we're treating dermal atrophy or we're treating acne other things but the the client also has rosacea. So there's certain treatments that we don't want to do with rosacea, like really, and I know you'll talk about this later, but really aggressive, aggressive peels probably would not be the best thing. Like mild glycolic acid is fine, but aggressive peels could exacerbate it because it stimulates the actual capillary and brings too much blood into the capillary and could even cause sort of a, you know, distension of the capillary wall or even affect the little muscle in the capillary. So, yeah, it is really important to to have an understanding of, you know, what this particular machine you're using does right. on the skin, not just for, you know, whatever you're treating, but for the rosacea as well, if right. the patient has rosacea.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think we want to remember at the end of the day, it is inflammation. And with inflammation, there is that opportunity for more bacteria, more pathogens. We have an already defective moisture barrier, which is so critical. So you definitely want to handle rosacea with care. And I think it's a really important point Michelle made about being cautious with chemical peels, being cautious with microneedling and even lasers because these are more intensive treatments. And what I have learned from treating rosacea clients and from treating my own rosacea is also that there's a lot of nuance when we're treating this type of condition. It's definitely not like there's just one way to treat rosacea or when you're looking at a rosacea client, it's not like a one size fits all. Everyone has the same tolerance level. You're still treating the skin type and you're treating rosacea so what I think I've realized is it's it's not always a matter of this ingredient can't be used at all or this this uh, peel can't be used at all but it needs to be a step up approach you definitely want to take those baby steps with rosacea the prep is so important in strengthening the skin just like working out you want to build slowly and and keep in mind there are some limitations those deeper chemical peels those more aggressive treatments are probably not best and there is a point of mm-hmm. diminishing return
0: exactly right and when and you know you look at someone with rosacea i know a lot of people feel well i'll just apply um, a cold compress or I'll mm-hmm. apply some ice. Well, what mm-hmm. that does temporarily is it will contract the, the capillary and yes, it will look better temporarily, but guess what? A couple of minutes later, the capillary will go back to the way it was and blood will be engorged in that dilated capillary. And that is what creates that redness on the skin. Yep. Um, I always, and you've probably heard me say this before, uh, Tess is the, um, the supplement, Uh, It's an internal supplement. It's a vitamin, water-soluble vitamin, but going just to the health food store, or sometimes I just send my clients to Trader Joe's and get the Synergistic C, Mm -hmm. but it contains 500 milligrams of vitamin C together with 250 milligrams of bioflavonoids, and together, coupled together, they're amazing. You know, they're an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory Uh, even a natural antihistamine. Mm. Um, And they also help to strengthen the little tunica media, which is the little teeny tiny muscle in the capillary. So it helps it to contract a little bit. So it's not so red anymore. And, you know, it's so interesting when I tell my clients, I just go to, you know, the health food store and buy this supplement or go to uh, uh, Trader Joe's. And they use it for like a month or two, they're like, hmm, it's amazing. How could two little vitamins do so much? Like, how is this right, able right. to, you know, lessen the, the severity and the redness and the heat? And sometimes doctors, especially, you know, I'm not all doctors, naturopath doctors are really for it. Sometimes MDs are even shocked that the, the vitamin combination works so well.
1: Hmm. Makes sense to me, strengthening the skin and the capillaries from the inside out. i got to remember to take that supplement.
0: Yeah, so you definitely want to give it a shot, maybe test and do some before and after. You know, after like two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, so you could show us how, you know, your skin is progressing in terms of the erythema. And is it really bringing down the heat and the inflammation and the discomfort and making it look and feel a lot better?
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, rosacea is really, really tricky. And it it can really, I think this is also important to mention, affect your mental health, because it's a physical sensation. It's It's not just vanity or, or superficial, it, it can get really painful. So yeah, it's important to kind of look at it from all angles and, and seek medical care when needed. And especially if you're starting to feel those more painful sensations like I have been, um, it's important to also check in with the doctor and also know it it. It's not necessarily something you are doing wrong. I think it's so important to have home care. I think that's going to be 80% of the equation, as well as keeping in mind lifestyle triggers, especially heat or extreme cold. We want to avoid those extremes. Like Michelle pointed out, you wouldn't just want to put ice on rosacea. It's about those more mild treatments
0: right and, and, and sugar too we really need to be careful with with glycation because yeah especially i mean with the sugar and the way that sugar causes inflammation in the body in general i've noticed with a lot of uh, the doctors patients and my own clients that when clients you know patients give up a lot of their simple carbs and not so good carbs you know like the mm. cookies and candies and cakes and things not not the good carbs i mean complex carbs like fruit and veggies You could keep those, right? You need, you need that good energy, but good energy. But the simple carbs, the way that they break down in the body and the way that they don't break down in the body properly can cause a lot of glycation, which leads to inflammation, which, you know, of course leads Mm. to
1: pain
0: and redness and just, you know, a lot of discomfort. So cutting back on the simple carbs, super important. Eating foods uh, that are really rich, in chlorophyll like the green foods or mm, broccoli spinach and you know, all of the green foods very very anti-inflammatory really really good of course drinking lots of water just to kind of help flush the body and restabilize and mm-hmm. and, and hydrate which is super important right because we're mainly mainly water so you've got to yeah. kind of you know yep. fill up that that water that reservoir Yes. Uh, But those are things to to remember as well.
1: And I think two of the big triggers my clients always notice are of course spicy foods and alcohol.
0: Yes. Spicy foods with all of their polyphenols really Mm. can cause the vascular system to kind of shoot up right stimulate it stimulates everything Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that can cause the the skin to become really hot and red and yes the same with with alcohol alcohol will dilate the vessels whereas you know smoking like cigarettes and other tobacco tobacco type product will cause kind of a contraction of the vessel and then a dilation of the vessel contraction dilation contraction Mm -hmm. and that's not good well the alcohol causes Mm -hmm. that dilation And dehydration and vitamin depletion and a whole plethora of other things that are not so great, too, if you overdo it.
1: Yeah, no, it's really like a whole it's a different lifestyle once you have rosacea. And I think that's something I just want to say, like it is going to be a little bit of a different life. You do have to make some adjustments.
0: Maybe, and some sacrifices.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's just the yeah. it's the truth. I think, you know, if you're somebody who loves to run outside or go to hot yoga, it's it's difficult to do that with rosacea. And I mean, I'm not perfect. I really like hot sauce and spicy food. And I get tempted, I'll be like, let me just try this hot sauce and see if I really have rosacea. Of course I do, and it, it never ends well. And then like, you're like, right. Yeah. And why did I do scared.
0: this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you' yeah. Know, I mean, We're human, right? We're I human. Know. So, you know, and it's hard to just stay on this really strict diet, but if yeah. you can just cut back, you know, some of those things like that excessive, uh, simple carb intake or junk food intake, um, add more green leafy vegetables, broccoli, and other things like that to your diet, increase your water intake with electrolytes, um, and then use products like with ing- you know, ingredients. I know we were going to talk about yeah, some of the ingredients uh, that are kind of anti-inflammatory, mm-hmm. uh, that you could use, that you could find in like creams and serums, um, like beta glucan, which is great actually um, a yeah, great ingredient, very anti-inflammatory. You can find beta glucan actually in, in, uh, oats, right? You can make like an oatmeal mask. Um, some people like to use a little bit of a Zeliac acid. If that's too stimulating, you want to find it in like a really low, low percentage. I, I
1: just wanted to share a quick story on that, Michelle. Okay. Cause you hear... I think this is an example of the nuance with rosacea because you hear azelaic acid, you hear mandelic acid. These are like the gold standards for rosacea, right? But what Michelle just said is you have to consider the percentage and the strength of the product. I was doing great, Michelle, and I was sent some mandelic acid from a really great uh, skincare brand we all know. And I was so excited to try it because I hear such great things about this serum. I have never had a reaction like this where, Oh, I know oh, I mean, <laughs> it was, it was bad. Everything completely blew up and I had to, I had to reach out to my derm and I ended up having a lot of peeling as well, along with just like persistent burning. And yeah, oh, and
0: I bet it took about a week or two to go mm-hmm. back to normal.
1: <laughs> sure. It did. I And does. I was going to a wedding too, but yeah, I think that's just important to know. It's oh, not, no. everything's not created equal. So be really <laughs> cautious. If you've never tried it, try it on a small section of the face or a small section of your client's skin and make sure they're really prepped and start low and slow. Sorry, Michelle. It's totally such such
0: good <laughs> advice. Yeah, because you know what works for one person or one person's disorder or condition. It may not work for everyone. You may have other things going on in your body or with your skin. So yeah. that's exactly right. The lowest percentage possible, even with niacinamide, you know, you can, that can help to flush the capillaries, yeah. which reduces redness in some people. Yeah. Yeah. And in other people, they're like, oh my God, I'm nightmare. as red as a tomato. <laughs> a nightmare. So <laughs> low, low percentage of these ingredients. Um, even some essential oils, which are known to be calming and soothing like lavender and chamomile, you still need to be careful. Some people have reaction or a reaction to other constituents in them. Most of the time, if it's, you know, at the bottom of the ingredient label, you still want to test it. You still need to test it. Um, aloe vera, which is like 99.0 water and the other 0.5% is made up of like some 20 amino acids. For most people, it's okay, but you've got to see if there's anything else in that product that might be a little bit stimulating, you know, like really aggressive, strong BHAs or really aggressive, strong retinols or AHAs Not the best thing, but then people feel like, oh, I can't use any alpha hydroxy acid or any retinol. Not exactly true. It's all in the composition of the product, right? Test and how high or low the percentage is. You want to start low. You want to start low and then you can work on it. Test it for like a month or so.
1: Yeah, test it out before you put it all over. The dose really makes the poison and There are definitely great ingredients and ways to treat the skin while managing rosacea. That was another question. How can I address anti-aging with somebody who has rosacea?
0: Yeah, that also is a good question because you're thinking, well, the client, you know, is starting to have drier skin, right, as they get older, so they need more lubrication of natural oils and also water loving ingredients because we become more dehydrated as we get older. So you want to look for ingredients like hyaluronic acid for the hydration, uh, probably some natural oils for the, the extra lubrication, unsaturated fatty oils, you know, could be. Argan oil it could be coconut oil, jojoba oil, things like that. Not, not a lot, just a very small amount on that uh, ingredient label. But then you're also thinking, I want to treat the lines and the wrinkles and the flaccidity. Maybe they're having some muscle sagging. The good news is even with um, microcurrent, which I use a lot for my clients and, and the patients and also teach microcurrent can be used over rosacea if done really, really carefully and microcurrent, as we know, right, stimulates fibroblasts to produce more collagen, elastin, and glycosaminoglycans, and also helps to tone the muscles, but it can be used very carefully over rosacea. You can use things for product penetration, like cosmetic ultrasound. If you're careful uh, over rosacea, um, you can do certain massages like an acupressure, you know, massage or a lymphatic drainage massage over rosacea. Um, a lot of the products, as long as they are not overly stimulating, I mean, even peels like a, like a gentle, uh, yeah. not highly acidic glycolic peel, um, over rosacea. Now I probably wouldn't use an aggressive TCA or Jesners, right. Right. Or an aggressive uh, salicylic acid, but glycolic acid's fine. A low glycolic, you know, low yeah, dose, actually not high in acidity. Helpful. Yes, very, very much so. Could be very helpful. Could help to strengthen the skin. It could help to flush that stagnant blood through. Glycolic acid is actually anti-inflammatory, so it's got some good yeah, properties there. Glycolic yeah. is one that I'll uh, even uh, sell due to, to the client, as long as it's not too strong.
1: Yes, that's the key. Yes, I actually really love I love glycolic acid for rosacea, um, and it provides a nice anti-aging benefit, can even benefit acne by loosening that cellular glue. And we did mention the Demodex mite theory a little bit earlier, and we do know that Demodex mite, it feeds off sebum, and that's what can heat the skin up really hot to even 99 degrees Fahrenheit. So removing that sebum is actually really important. And I feel like in the, I'll say over the counter world or just consumer marketing of skincare, this picture of rosacea I see all the time is soothing you know, um, calming, sensitive skin. And those are definitely components of rosacea. But I feel rosacea is not fully managed and not fully treated without some exfoliation. And there is that healthy component of exfoliation that, again, is not overdoing it, but removing that Lipase enzyme and offering again controlled gentle exfoliation. So light HAs and BHAs enzymes are great. Or uh,
0: absolutely yes, alpha hydroxy enzymes, acids,
1: right. glycolic, lactic, at those lower percentages and maybe working up to more over time.
0: Right. Ascorbic acid, tartaric acid, all of those AHAs that you can use. And again, if, you know, if it's a newer client, if they're not used to skincare, they haven't used these products before, always think less is more, right? We're going to start out really light and gentle, and then we can work up to using something a little bit stronger or a little bit more often and really sticking with the client. And it's not kind of a, and having them understand, it's not like a one and done, right? They don't just come in you do one treatment, you sell them products, and they're good to go forever. No, it's a continuous management of the skin. You know, they want to come back every month to see you and use their products and eat healthfully and do all of those other things, all in combination. Yeah. It's synergistic. Totally.
1: And all of that said, I think also it's important to recognize you might still have flare ups, you know, this is a chronic ongoing inflammatory condition, you could be doing everything right, you could have the best home care, you could be going in for treatments, and you could be eating very healthfully at home, and Mm -hmm. you could still get triggered. It's not a perfect world that we live in. So also understand there might be some little ups and downs.
0: And, we, and if you don't know what the trigger is, and normally even doctors may not know what that trigger is, you know, is it, um, you know, it could be triggered by a product. It could be triggered by stress. Yeah, it, stress. It by, stress is a really big one. It also affects cortisols and other hormones in the body. Sometimes medications can trigger it because it affects hormones in the body and the system overall. So it's really, you know, it's, it really is not a one and done and it's like, like Tess says, it's constant management and maybe going along for many weeks and months and even years. And then bam, you know, it's like, wow, I have (laughs) this redness and this heat and this sensitivity. What is causing this? Sometimes you can put your finger on it while I was under a lot of stress or I changed medication. I added birth control or took it away or or whatnot, Mm -hmm. and sometimes you can't. You just don't know, but you want to try and go back to, you know, the basics of eating healthfully, reducing the the simple sugars, eating more green leafy vegetables, uh, fresh fruit rather than, you know, other types of carbohydrates, Uh, you know, using products that can, um, has been known to help rosacea, you know, treating yourself well taking time just to relax meditation is helpful oh yeah massage maybe not a lot of facial massage other than what we discussed but body massage
1: that's a good point michelle about facial massage how about so as far as a, a facial what what things i guess on the client side and the esthetician side should people be wary of
0: Yeah, so as far as being wary of, with the facial, I I always think with rosacea, in my mind, it's like less is more. We're not going to overdo it, especially if this is your first time. You know, we're going to talk to you about diet and lifestyle, and we're going to talk to you about skincare products, but, you know, not really overstimulating. Instead of doing, let's say, a petrissage or an effleurage on on the facial area, especially if it's very severe, maybe we'll do pressure points. Actually, I have a new facial massage that's just coming out. It's a hands-on massage. It's on pressure points and La Papillon. Now, La Papillon may not be the best for rosacea because it's a lot of butterfly tapping, but pressure points. And, of course, you already know, um, Tessa, I teach lymphatic drainage. Excellent. Phenomenal course with with Michelle. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Even virtually, really, really amazing and they yeah. come with really good thorough detailed demonstration videos that you know those you always keep so you can always go back and practice with <laughs> but yeah, yeah so I that is that. really what you want to make sure of and nothing overly you know stimulating and in terms of just like a facial uh, if i can tell you just sort of a basic treatment that i have done and do for my clients is when they come in you know we talk a little bit about what they're doing now and how the products are working or if they're not mm. working. Uh, taking a look at the ingredients that they're using, making sure that the ingredients are for rosacea, you know, they're not overly stimulating and then starting with a really gentle cleanser, whether it be like a, a very gentle gel or a cream based cleanser, just to kind of get the oil and debris and makeup off the skin, do a double cleansing, uh, take a really good look at them underneath, uh, the magnification, you know, stretching the skin. Asking questions, you know, if I see a lot of cuperos in a certain area, do you feel a lot of heat coming from this area? They say yes. Do you feel a lot of discomfort coming from the area? You're going to take all these notes too. You want to keep really good notes. Um, and I may not do a lot of extractions, but you can do a few extractions. I like to use either a bromelain or a papain enzyme to mm-hmm. soften up the sebum Um, And it doesn't really strip the acid mantle too badly. You know, the barrier doesn't really affect negatively the barrier too badly. Now, Michelle, are you avoiding steam with rosacea clients? Good question. If you do have someone whose rosacea is not too bad, you can use very light steam at kind of a distance with the enzyme or with the cleansing. I do it with the enzyme. Um, but if there's a lot, if it is very s- severe, you know, if it's popular, pustular, rosacea, then I don't use steam. I use enzyme because we do want to remove the congestion gently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll use an enzyme and keep that, in most cases, depending upon your product line, right, you want to keep the enzyme damp or moist so it's active. It's only active when it's moist. That's usually what the steam is for. And then just a little bit and then do those very gentle removal excuse me, removal of comedones or if you see pustules. Very limited time, though. Only like five or ten minutes. Even if you look at the skin and go, wow, they really need like a half an hour, don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the skin will react, right? They'll have this purging after effect, and it will be a lot worse than it needs to be afterwards. So it's better to have them come back in about three totally. weeks. Yes. then overdue extractions.
1: That's a great point, Michelle. And I think also mentioning why you're making that decision and setting the expectation with the client will save you because, always. you know, always, because sometimes yeah. people. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people really feel like extractions are the main reason they want to get a facial. And right. they probably want it all gone when they leave. But if you explain why and you say that before you start, I think that's really helpful for kind of uh, just, again, setting that expectation and also explaining mm-hmm. if there's certain certain areas you don't extract, why you're leaving it alone? So the client doesn't leave feeling like, oh, she just overlooked it or she was lazy. Um, right. I, I think that's important ripped too. Off. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> it's important with rosacea because these papules and pustules can present like acne, but there's no true blackhead where whitehead there's, there's no nucleus to extract with rosacea. So you might want to explain that you know certain, certain raised areas or something that appears like acne should not be extracted and your client should also know when they go home. It's not something to try to extract.
0: That, that is such a good point because with those papules, a lot of them are not ripe and some of them are not true pustules or pap, or excuse me, pustules or sebaceous cysts. There are other lesions in the skin, you know. Like I mentioned before, the sudoriferous gland, uh, the uh, sweat gland, produces a lot of water. So there are lots of little bumps in the skin that don't need extraction. So if they don't have a pussy whitehead, they're not ripe. You know, they don't look like a blackhead. They're not a blackhead, then you kind of want to just leave it alone. You could come in afterwards with either your, if you have blue LED, or even green led green led is great because it will help treat both the redness the erythema and the acne as well so will the blue blue will do blue is very similar
1: you you didn't mention red led is there any reason why you feel it's not the best fit for rosacea
0: so blue so we're looking at the nanometers which equals the length and the strength of the wave with the depth of of the wave and what the wave the light wave actually resonates within the tissue, and every light wave resonates with a different structure of cell or protein. So the blue, being a little bit shorter, resonates with the porphyrin, which is inside bacteria like Staph bacteria or Propionibacteria. And when it comes in contact with that porphyrin, it releases oxygen, which is excellent because we know that oxygen can help to stave off or even destroy the staph, or the uh, propionibacteria. That's why blue is so great for acne. And also the blue helps to kind of spread and diffuse and move along some of the stagnant blood in the capillaries. Now green does kind of the same thing, but green is also a little bit more geared for erythema. It Mm. really helps to stimulate that hemoglobin in the capillary and sort of push the stagnant blood along so it doesn't look so you know red and ruddy afterwards. The amber is similar to green if you have a amber LED. And the red, the red's wavelength is longer than the rest. And it does a little bit of what all the other colors do. Mm-hmm. Um, but its target, right, its sort of core is targeting the deeper tissue and the fibroblasts in the dermal layer of skin, which in return will stimulate collagen elastin and a constituent called glycosaminoglycans, which is, uh, you know, gives the skin its ability to hold onto water. So red is really, really good for anti-aging. It's okay for everything else, but it is actually best for anti-aging. But you can use it kind of as a weak substitute. Uh, for, you know, anti-hyperpigmentation, um, rosacea, acne. I didn't um, mention hyperpigmentation in place of uh, dilated capillaries accidentally. Did I test? Did you catch me? I don't think so. Okay. I feel like, did I say hyperpigmentation? But anyway, <laughs> hyperpigmentation is benefited mm-hmm. of, uh, by the, the green really, you know, the green is very successful with hyperpigmentation, the green LED. And the green LED is very successful with with cuparose too, Mm. with redness as well.
1: And now speaking of hyperpigmentation, the last question I have here, which I feel like is so important, is about sunscreen. Do you feel there are certain qualities of a sunscreen that are beneficial for rosacea, are there any that you feel should be avoided or is there a certain, certain SPF you think is appropriate for rosacea?
0: Yes, you know, sunblock and, you know, sunscreen generally, you know, we'll call a sunblock a, a, mm-hmm. a screen that has titanium dioxide or zinc oxide in it, which is fine. It deflects light. Sometimes it can be a little congestive for people who have both rosacea and acne, and then you've got, of course, the chemical, right, screen. So with benzophenone and octanoxate, which is usually okay most of the time. But I like to find sunblock or sunscreen that, for, for rosacea, that contains a little bit of dimethicone or cyclomethicone or silicone in it because it actually will help to suspend the ingredients. So the ingredients sit, like, right on the surface of the skin to block the sunlight, instead of absorb into the skin Mm -hmm. and cause inflammation or irritation. So yeah, that's what I do. I look for, you know, some sunscreens and sunblocks that contain some dimethicone, especially for, you know, for acne uh, or, or for rosacea.
1: That's a really, really interesting point. I, I found as my condition has progressed, usually, I do best with mineral. Glymed Plus does have a great one. It's their Mm. PhotoAge SPF 30. It's the thicker, more emollient sunscreen. That's really kind of the only sunscreen with a chemical filter I do okay with. And when I do have the ocular rosacea flare-ups, it has to be mineral. And sometimes even that, depending on what's in there, um, Use the
0: powder test? The powder,
1: powder over you know, your face? Is that... I do have a color science powder, and a, is clinical powder, which I do love. Those are are great for touch ups,
0: and it works well for you. And you know, again, it's kind of one of those things: it's trial and, you know, totally, trial, I don't want to say totally. trial and error, but trial and error, right? Because for some people, certain things work wonderfully. I know with me, I, I'm older now; I don't have as much acne anymore as I did back in the late seventies and eighties. But um, I, I can still break out. So I find yeah. that if I wear really heavy duty physical blocks that can break me out and oh loss. yeah. It has yeah. like one of those I call it cones, like the dimethicone in it, which it, it suspends it and doesn't and prevents it actually from congesting the follicles. But that's mm-hmm. me. I've had other clients where it doesn't work so well. So it's yeah. kind of just testing things and sure whatever you test you want them to test at least for a month or so to really get a good idea unless they have a a terrible you know immediate reaction to it
1: yeah yeah and i think a good point there too is you never really want anything comedogenic with rosacea you don't want to it's like as my derm puts it it's like putting a uh, roof over the demodex mite's head. It's like tucking it in, in a little blanket if you have too much occlusion. And of course you don't want to have acne breakouts either. So I prefer to stick with the, the more clinical lines simply because I know they're being used on these intense inflammatory conditions like acne and rosacea. I know they're designed for that setting. So I feel I have more peace of mind. So I like a really high quality, broad spectrum, non-comedogenic sunscreen, but, um, also of course, keeping your skin type in mind is always going to be important.
0: Exactly. And, and the, the silicone based products are actually breathable. So even Mm. though the skin sweats and the skin, you know, secretes oil, it it, it excretes sweat, it's kind of breathable. So if you were to look at it under a microscope, it would look like the sheet with little teeny tiny holes in it. So it could still, you know, allow the skin to secrete or excrete. But yeah, like uh, Tess says, it's so important to find what's right for you. And there are some product lines out there, like what you have, Tess, that are geared for rosacea that have been tested over a long period of time and that most people with rosacea do really well with.
1: Yes. And I know Jan Marini also agrees with you on dimethicone. She likes to use them in her sunscreens. And I, I do really like her physical mineral SPF, both the tinted and the non-tinted, those have dimethicone and yeah, they're really excellent too.
0: Yeah. There, there's so many out there and, um, you, yeah, you really just have to check it out. It's it, we you know, we wish we could say that, you know, one size fits all, but this is for acne or this is for rosacea or this is for anti-aging and this is all you need. You're good yeah. to go. Right. But no, it's really sort of, you know, it is with your client, you know, being a detective and figuring out what, you know, they're doing and what they're using and their lifestyle. And sometimes even going way back, you know, to their, to their childhood and then kind of working forward and finding things that you feel, you know, with your knowledge of ingredients and products that will work best for their condition. And then as the weeks and months go on, you might even have to tweak that a little bit. Sure. That's, that's yeah. you know, that is the, the name of our, our game. That's, that's yes. what we do as estheticians, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's such a great point, Michelle, you know, the best sunscreen is the one somebody will wear. And it's so important to continuously check in as the esthetician, because things can change really quickly with rosacea.
0: Yeah, rosacea is so fickle, right? It's mm-hmm. so unpredictable. And still to this day, after all of these years of me being in this industry for over thirty-five years, we we've come, you know, we've we've come a ways, but we still, you know, doctors will still <laughs> right. say it's idiopathic. We it's frustrating,
1: you know,
0: we, yeah. You know, hypothesize it is autoimmune, and this is what triggers it. But if you were to say, uh, you know, one hundred percent without a shadow of a doubt really, really, really can't do that. But the good thing is there's lots of treatments you can do for your clients. There's so many great product lines that make uh, products for rosacea, like with what you use, uh, a test, and Mm -hmm. talking to them about a healthy diet, making sure that they reduce their stress and inflammation in their body. That's a really, really good start.
1: Yeah, definitely make sure you have a home care routine and at least understand the basics of what could trigger it. Michelle, we can edit this out if you don't have the answer, but I'm just curious to ask you, are there medications you do know about you would be comfortable touching on a little bit for those more extreme cases? Of course, people who already are doing all of these things, but
0: are are there
1: options?
0: So for medications, what most of the doctors that I work with use and have been using as far as you know, prescription for many, many years is Metrogel, which is an antibiotic, but it also helps to reduce the redness in the skin. And that kind of seems like the go-to for a lot of the doctors. And when I ask yeah. patients that come in that already have rosacea or have had rosacea, what are you using? It seems to be Metrogel. Um, I can't say that's the, the gold standard, but it kind of seems to be the, the go-to for most doctors, and that's kind of a good starting place, and, um, you know, if that doesn't really, or other antibiotics as well, and if that doesn't really clear it up, or at least give the patient some relief, then they'll come in with lasers, you know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll attempt to use lasers. Um, what we usually do as the estheticians, is talk to the clients about skincare ingredients. Uh, you know, do facials just to keep the skin clean and clear, prevent uh, congestion in, in the follicles. Use green LED, use masks that are very anti inflammatory in nature. Um, and that's kind of the, the best way just to sort of keep it in control. But yeah, yeah. for most of the doctors and most of the patients that, that I work with, they're on Metrogel.
1: Yep. My mom just got diagnosed too, and they gave her a metrogel. Oh, um, how
0: is that working for her?
1: We'll see. I think she likes it so far. Um, I've also heard, I think this is a little bit newer, but I've heard doctors are prescribing beta blockers to address adrenaline. Have you heard about that? Right,
0: them? right. And, and high blood pressure yeah which could also you know if someone has high blood pressure or other adrenaline issues i've heard that too beta blockers which doesn't just help the the issue right whether it be high blood pressure or whatnot but also helps to reduce the redness in the skin it's kind of like a a byproduct of Mm. of what it does Mm -hmm. it's a good um a good positive side effect yeah
1: yeah, that's interesting. And even low-dose Accutane or microdoses of Accutane are being prescribed for rosacea. So it's, it's interesting to see what's becoming available. I'm really curious if they are gonna have a more concrete answer sometime soon about rosacea.
0: Yeah, and it's like most autoimmune disorders um, since it is falling under lately the autoimmune disorder category, you know, it's they're Not there's not really a cure. It's like with my hypothyroidism. Yeah. There's just yeah. there's just treatment, and even really... with treatment, ongoing treatment, it's you know my thyroid's high, it's low, it's mm-hmm. bouncing around. It's never really doing. It's really hard to control. I'm with <laughs> you. It's so tough. You know how that is. <sighs> but sure having this this knowledge and just really developing a very soothing treatment um, Mm -hmm. and having those products there for your client to purchase and having them be consistent. And if they do have any questions or if maybe something is not working right for them to tell you, right, their esthetician as soon as possible, so you can kind of get them back on track so they don't fall off track too much.
1: Great point. Yeah, so you can help course correct. I think it's same with acne. There's such a fine line between treating it effectively and overdoing it so i think that's like the unspoken hard task on estheticians to find that middle ground and it is often in the beginning like doing a dance with your clients Um, so that's why you want that open communication you want to stay in touch you want to follow up you want to check in on them when they are introducing actives and even weeks and months in so you can adjust if, if needed, but yeah, great, great points, Michelle.
0: Yeah. Adjustment is part of, is part of what we do, right? Because with the the skin, you know, it, 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 and the body, um, and you just, you know, everybody is, is different and you know, I've had clients that have been great with their acne treatment for years and then maybe change medication or are now on hormones or are now off hormones or some some kind of a shock to the body right the body senses it as a shock and the the body is not as balanced as it was and you know they have breakouts again so that and letting the client know that this this can happen you know up front that the, the these are the things that can happen and always setting realistic expectations and, and making sure your clients have realistic goals and trying to attain those goals, but letting them know too, it could take some time. Right. It doesn't happen overnight. No. Um, And, and and diligent.
1: Yes. Um, I feel like that's so, so huge to mention Michelle. And, you know, it's like, we all want a cure. We want an instant fix and the way Things are nowadays. We just expect that immediate solution. Instant gratification. Instant gratification is the word and I'm the looking for. The body doesn't
0: always want to Mm-mm. follow.
1: No, and so she I doesn't. think even understanding, like for acne, it could take from three to five months to a year to get things under control. That's realistic, and um, yeah, with rosacea too, it can take some months and. I really appreciate that you, you mentioned that for estheticians, because I think we can feel so badly, especially if our clients are suffering and of course you want to give them the best possible result. Um, But there is definitely, there can be up and down and it doesn't mean you are failing as the esthetician and it it may not mean that the client is doing something wrong either. It, It is just kind of this cyclical nature of these inflammatory conditions.
0: Right, and, and, it, and that is why it's so important, and that, and also it's great that you have uh, the treatment room test because I think, you know, it's, it, it's, it's essential, it's crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the estheticians know the physiology, anatomy of the skin, they know the ingredients, the products, and they all kind of go together as a puzzle piece. Because if we really don't have that knowledge, right, that ground knowledge, we're not going to be able to really target the treatments. It's going to be kind of like a shooting in the dark or a hit or miss, you're just kind of mm-hmm. grasping at this and, and that, but yeah. really having an understanding of the skin and these ingredients and different products and procedures that will work and letting the client know, you know, setting those expectations up front so that they don't become frustrated or think, well, I've had one treatment and my skin is still red or I still have breakouts. And what I do a lot for my clients, you know, is I'll write out a six month treatment plan. What ah. we're going to do today, next month, you know, out six months. A year I is a little that. long, but six months, so yeah. that we can stay on track. And, you know, as that month comes up and they come back in for the next treatment, you may have to tweak that plan a little bit if you
1: see mm-hmm. that you
0: have to tweak it. But at least you have a plan, and they feel secure with that. And they know that they're in good hands because you have a plan. You know, you know, you know where... You're going. You, that you know, is, you yeah. Somewhere.
1: yeah, that is really the key because there's the the side of, of treating the skin and the skill involved with treating the skin. And then there's like this mental game. There's a psychological component of what your client is going through every day at home and when they see their skin. So if, if you exactly. can indicate you're looking ahead, you have a plan. It does make people feel secure. And that's, that's what we want. We want our clients to know they can depend on us and we are the go-to resource for them.
0: Yes, that's very important, right? So it's not just about treating the skin. And I know where, unless you are, you know, psychotherapist, um, maybe not a psychotherapist, but just be there <laughs> to listen to your client and listen to what they're saying and really, really listen to them.
1: Uh, because you can yeah.
0: hear a lot and understand a lot when you're really listening to what they're saying about how they feel, about you know their, their skin or their products or or anything else, you know, whether they just want to tell you about, you know, just kind of release the, the yeah. stress of the world while they're there in the treatment room, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, be there for them, and yep. I think that really means a lot to, to your clients.
1: Totally, yeah, let them, let them let it out, because there can be, again, yeah, a lot exactly. of, <laughs> a lot that comes with uh going through these conditions it's not easy so yeah best not to you know ever get defensive or create walls you want to really instill that open communication and understanding and and listening to your client like michelle said
0: yeah i think that that is really important too that's a really big piece of it so, yeah, I think that's great. I do teach in, in my acne class, uh, rosacea as well. It's, it's based on um, acne, the four grades of acne. But in that, we do go over rosacea and give some uh, treatments. But yeah, I was going to say to you, Tess, after the extractions and you know maybe the lymphatic drainage, then they, you could use a very soothing mask, right, a, a serum, and of course a sunblock. And make sure that you reschedule your client for three or four weeks down the line. And let them know if they have anything going on or maybe something's not working right or product's not working right. Don't wait for three or four weeks until you come back. You know, you can contact me because we want to kind of, you know, nip it in the bud and get this taken care of before then.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, amazing, Michelle. I I was going to mention that course that you did mention. I think that's where I first kind of uh, was that's where I first learned about rosacea and I remember vividly like the case study pictures that you show Mm
0: -hmm. that was really illuminating
1: for me I still remember that even though it was years and years ago
0: (laughs) it was was probably traumatic because those pictures were kind of (laughs) you know one, one end of the harsh but yes that and a lot of people get acne and rosacea confused they're totally two different conditions, right? Acne, rosacea is the uh, the inflammation of the capillary and acne is the inflammation of the hair follicle, but they can, you can have both going on at the same time, which makes it even more difficult to treat. That's why in the acne class, I also have rosacea wrapped up in that as well.
1: Yes, I, I have a strong opinion on that thought that we hear so often that rosacea acne they're the same they're just treated the same
0: no no totally different. different entities <laughs> completely different, different. Uh, inflammatory tissues right mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're, they're different and you need to, to understand the conditions and then treat them differently sometimes they come together um, and you're going to need to treat the acne clear the follicles because every you know pustule and every sebaceous, this, which is just a, di- a deeper pustule, starts with a clogged follicle. So you've got yeah. to do that first. At the same time, if they've got rosacea, you've got to keep in mind that you don't want to overdo it or over inflame or cause you know, damage to the skin. So that could be kind of a tricky balance.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. I want to be respectful of your time.
0: Absolutely. I love I love to be here with you, Tess, talking to your followers. Absolutely love it. <laughs>
1: um, where can we find you, you know, to take your classes or to just connect with you?
0: Yeah, so if you have any questions, you could always um, email me. I know, Tess, you'll put that in, you'll put that sure. out there for them. Um, and you can also go to Concepts Institute and there are lots of uh, classes, both live in studio, or back again, live in studio, and also on Zoom. So if you take it on Zoom, you still get a really good class. Um, they uh, The Zoom classes come with a demonstration video. And you always have that demo video to refer back to so you can practice on uh, your friends and family before your clients. Uh, so yeah, uh, you can check all of the different classes there, whether it being acne, a rosacea, anti-aging, anti-hyperpigmentation. There, there are a bunch of them, a bunch of clinical classes that you can check out. And if you have any questions, you know, please feel free anytime to, to contact me.
1: Thank you, Michelle. That is so generous and we just appreciate you so much. I hope everyone really enjoyed this episode. It was almost like a little rosacea class please share (laughs) if you feel like this episode was helpful please share with a friend or a classmate be sure to tag me on instagram at mysdtessa and thank you michelle for joining
0: thank you tess always love to be here with you anytime
1: thank you